Millennials are making their presence felt across business aviation, not only influencing new ways to charter business aircraft, but also redefining the very idea of what it means to own a business aircraft. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This podcast is brought to you by Scudero, the software that elevates your flight operations. I'm Dave Elliott for Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Make no mistake, the millennial generation, those between the ages of 21 to 37, also known as Gen Y, has discovered the benefits of business aviation, and in the words of one of our guests today, they like it. Whether speaking of travel flexibility, sustainable use, cabin connectivity, or a host of other aspects, Millennials are defining what they expect from business aviation, and they're redefining what it means to fly on a business aircraft, from utilizing per-seat charter options to exploring shared ownership options that minimize their individual risk and exposure. Joining me today are Paul M. Grocky, an attorney with the law offices of Paul A. Lang, LLC, and Joe Barber, CAM and Vice President of Fleet Development for Clay Lacey Aviation. Also on the line is David G. Mayer, a partner at the aviation law firm of Shackelford, Bowen, McKinley, and Norton, LLP. David, you recently wrote an article for an industry publication regarding the effects of millennials on business aviation, and it revealed some rather surprising elements about that relationship. What did you discover about how millennials view the use of business aircraft? Millennials have a fairly good understanding of the fundamentals of business aviation and how it allows them freedom, speeds up their travel, and affords them privacy. But they're not interested in owning. They are more oriented toward an experience. If you talk to them about owning, it's not really in their thought process for a number of reasons about their own personal experiences growing up. So if you would, David, tell me a little bit about why you think ownership isn't a primary concern for this group. The background for a number of millennials starts with growing up uh, for a lot of them that may be potential customers in the business of the 2008 uh, heavy recession combined with the need to incur student debt. The student debt in those recessions made a number of them unable financially to engage in buying and keeping huge obligations off of their balance sheets, if you will, which buying would imply or require, even in a group. Joe, from what David said, it sounds like aircraft charter and per-seat options often serve as entry points for millennials using business aviation travel. Is that what you're seeing at Clay Lacey Aviation? Uh, Yeah, we are, actually. We're seeing that you know, I think that there's enough literature out there that describes the general purchase and uh, buying strategies of the millennial and Gen X generations. And we're seeing that they're less likely to go in on a long-term type spending or investment strategy like ownership or even fractional in some cases. So new entrants in the market, like the per seat, uh, the Department of Transportation Part 380 solution, where you're allowing people to fly on a per seat basis from point to point through an, a mobile app to purchase uh, segments of that flight. It's it's a very value conscious and pragmatic spending, which, you know, I think is contrary to what a lot of people believe that 
the younger generations are are doing these days in terms of maybe even the rumor is not saving. But in, in this way, we're seeing them making very pragmatic decisions about the use of the business aviation community and in, in solutions. So when we do see, although it's a small sample, when we do see them purchase full aircraft for ownership, there's typically two reasons. One is an extremely high need for private utilization, whether it's for a business purpose or a partnership purpose where you know they're flying in excess of 350 to 400 hours per year. Or, you know, they've uh, had a, a socioeconomic change or even family values change in which, you know, they decided to start a family and want the privacy and the ultimate flexibility of full ownership. Those are the two primary means that we are seeing people enter ownership, although it's probably only a few percentage of the total aircraft we're seeing being purchased these days. Paul, with these many options that millennials are using to book travel on business aircraft, and particularly with per-seat options that are so attractive to millennial travelers, what we're talking about hailing a jet is we might like hail a taxi or an Uber. I, I'd imagine there are several potential regulatory issues for operators when they're trying to enter that area. Yes, that's correct. Both for operators and a lot of times the indirect air carriers, often the brokers as well. Specifically, with these um, charter by the seat and uh, all the apps that go along with it, operators need to be careful to not engage in scheduled operations. Many times operators who operate under a, a charter certificate under a part 135, they are not allowed to do scheduled ops, which essentially means uh, in, an operator, they can sell flights by the seat when it is uh, less than five round trips per week in the same city pair market. And they must use a, a nine seat or fewer non-turbojet aircraft that's less than 7,500 pounds. To the extent that a charter operator wants to do more than five round trips per week in a city pairing, then they actually need to get separate commuter authority from, from the Department of Transportation, which is a, a lengthy process that can take up to nine months to 12 months. So the operators need to be careful when working on them for charter by the seat operations. Likewise with brokers, Joe had previously mentioned a part 380, a broker can sell scheduled charter by the seat acting as a public charter operator under Part 380 of the DOT's regulations. There's also other circumstances under which a broker may be able to offer charter by the seat. The broker must leave open for negotiation one of the following departure location, departure time, or arrival location. And another issue to be aware of is relatively recently, um, 14 CFR Part 295 came into effect, which provides all kinds of obligations, requirements, and brokers as well. So for um, Charter by the Seat, there are certainly many regulatory issues to consider on both the operation side and the broker side. On that, if I can, from the operations and consumer side, the biggest challenge for those marketing and, and advertising groups that are, that are bringing a member or a certain consumer segment to the industry on a per seat model is that they're suffering from inconsistency in terms of the, what the service is and reliability of the vendors and suppliers they're working with. And in the industry to this point, there's been a f quite a few different companies that have started up and built a following signed on, whether it's a membership base or just a ad hoc per use base. But every aircraft is being operated differently. You know, there may be a few dozen operators that subscribe to that kind of operation. And you get different types of aircraft, different types of crew members, mechanical issues, things like that. It seems to be something that's been challenged to scale. 
it's been a worthwhile endeavor to try and expand the market for the consumers to allow people in different spending categories to be able to to spend, you know, three or four grand to go across the country as opposed to the full rate of charter or the full contract ramifications of fractional and certainly the full expense of ownership and depreciation. You know, uh, Joe, you raised some good issues as, as Paul did about the complexities of the choices and the operations. In the article that I wrote, I emphasized that millennials need to do their diligence before jumping on board a plane. And there are two reasons in particular. One, there is a fairly wide group of operators who purport to provide proper charter service that simply don't have the certificate to do so, which means that their operations are illegal, suspect to the FAA and subject to potential enforcement and I've written on that topic. Also, secondly, there is a pilot shortage right now, which means that the pilots may not have the kind of experience or even the type rating, which means they can fly a particular plane to conduct their part of the flight uh, successfully, safely, and properly for the benefit of the millennial passengers. So, a millennial that chooses a flight through any of the means that you have discussed and Paul has referred to may be a bad choice and the diligence is extremely important. More on this topic in a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, Scudero, software that elevates your flight operations. Scudero is one powerful, intuitive solution for organizing all aspects of your flight operations. Whether you operate a large fleet or a single jet, Scudero can be tailored to fit your needs with customized integrations to any of your existing platforms. Access your operational data from wherever you are and enable your pilots to access relevant information using the Scudero Crew app. Elevate your flight operations with Scudero. Go to scudero.com to learn more. We're back now with Joe Barber, Paul Grocky, and David Mayer, and our discussion about the effects that millennials are having on the business aviation industry. Dave, what are some of the other factors that may affect the millennial generation's decision to use a business aircraft? I would imagine environmental sustainability is high on that list. Yes, it appears that the millennials are most concerned about environmental and climate change issues over every other generation. One particular expert told me when I asked about fractional shares and who the customers are, that uh, my generation, as being a, a father of two millennials, they don't care particularly. They care more about privacy, transportation, speed, and flexibility. But in an EBAA study, that's the European uh, Aviation Business Association, climate change was a huge and governing issue to the point where some resources believe that millennials will shift to a provider, whether it's a charter operator or other type of service, that demonstrates better environmental responsibility and a limitation on their carbon footprint. Paul, what are some other considerations that you recommend aircraft operators keep in mind as they explore their service options for millennial customers? 
I think just talking and circling back to something David said, it really is you know about the experience lately and people are, we generally tend to see the market go in that direction and more towards the platform direction. And in that regard, operators need to be careful because every time, every uh, business arrangement can be different. I mean, a lot of the questions we'd ask at a higher level you know, to the operators, you know, are they offering air transportation for compensation or higher? Are they publishing a schedule? What kind of authorizations do they have and, and um, certification do they have from the FAA and the DOT to be able to ensure that they're actually acting within the scope of those authorities as well? So these are kind of the questions on the higher end that, that operators need to be aware of and, and identify at a high level. So, Joe, that actually sounds like we might ultimately see similar trends with millennials using business aviation as we have with other groups? It is. And I, you know, as a millennial myself, along with Paul, I mean, really in this way where we understand that there is wealth transition that will occur through each generation as one group exits the workforce and the other takes the prime earning cycle of their career. And we think that the transfer will come at different times and at different strengths, but it will be a little bit of history repeated. What's the next step then for these users once they become accustomed to traveling on business aircraft? Are you already seeing them move up to perhaps the next step as far as considering at least shared ownership or maybe even whole aircraft ownership? The best approach that we've seen that a consumer can take to the business aviation solutions is a portfolio approach. To consider that one solution is the official best use I think lives and businesses and, and use of aircraft changes so quickly, signing on to a three or a five-year contract or a five or a seven-year ownership cycle, especially for some of the, um, the newer entrants and younger generation who's utilizing these services, I think what we're finding is that they understand that having a, a, a reputable charter broker as well as a small fractional share and maybe a dry lease arrangement with another cohort. Those type of portfolio approaches seem to better fit and cause less waste. And again, we think that the millennial and Gen X are very value conscious groups. And we've had specific instances where we've had an owner approach our company as well as a major manufacturer with an idea of purchasing a $25 million super mid when the, um, the father brought in two generation sons below him, and one being a Gen X and one being a millennial, their approach was very pragmatic. And they said, well, there's a lot of other solutions. Why, why do we want to take on the investment of the $25 million airplane depreciation and all the arrangements that come around it when there's so many other options? And they've convinced themselves at a table with an OEM that they're not ready to, to consume that. And largely by the influence of uh, the Gen X and the millennial in the room. It's worth suggesting here a little context. We, I think, are giving the impression that millennials will not engage in purchases, but there is a very large population that is quite capable of doing various types of ownership arrangements. Uh, for example, there's joint ownership, where if they want to have this experience, they can use the portfolio approach that was just mentioned to own an aircraft together with a group, which works under the federal aviation regulations, or to lease an aircraft as a group. And that spreads risk and expense among them to do that. And they can do that properly if they structure 
the ownership arrangement or the leasing arrangement. They also can lease aircraft for a long term among several of their friends or trusted uh, business folks to access aircraft that way. And the portfolio approach then avoids the potential for conflict. Paul, what are you seeing at your firm as millennials make the transition from per-use aircraft charter options to aircraft ownership? Personally, at my office, we have seen a lot of joint ownership structures that both Joe and and David were just referring to. And uh, I think one of the issues I just want to make sure that folks are aware of, both operators and the owners, is that many times uh, a group of business associates or friends will get together to form a single purpose LLC to own the aircraft and, and they will all be principals of that business. And the FAA says that's absolutely fine to have a single purpose entity own the aircraft, but it can't actually operate the aircraft under Part 91. So just making sure that both owners and management companies are careful to structure the use of the aircraft and the ownership of the aircraft in a way that's consistent and compliant with the regs. To build on what uh, Paul is saying, one of the big risk management issues, which is something we deal with every day, allows a millennial or any other passenger or owner to decide whether to fly uh, Part 135 or Part 91. When I talk to clients about flying Part 91, I indicate that the, the target is on their back. They are responsible for that flight, for the initiation, conduct, and termination of the flight. But the, realistically, the pilots are at risk if something goes wrong as well. Whereas in Part 135 operations, charter operators, uh, such as Joe's uh, group, takes operational control and they, uh, in turn, have the target on their back. So there is a trade-off between the two types of operations that a passenger should consider or owner should consider and do the diligence to find out that, uh, in either case, they have qualified crew. To finish up our discussion, what advice would you give to millennials considering taking the leap to shared or whole ownership? Joe, let's start with you. I think that the uh, the entrepreneur and tech community have trained a lot of the younger generations to have such energy and persuasion in terms of developing new business and and gaining um, investor capital to new ideas and and services within the industry that uh, they can easily develop something that frankly can work for a short period of time and build a following of whether it's you know marketing dollars spent and um, you know customers who are interested in the solution what we find with a lot of instances and we you know we're confronted with this often as an operator while people are doing due diligence and business development is that they underestimate the regulatory requirements for for doing this which echoes what uh, these other gentlemen have said and you know that's a good anchor it's an anchor for a reason for safety and regulatory compliance and, and, you know, these uh, business owners are very savvy in terms of what they find as weaknesses or, or loopholes. But what we've witnessed is that a lot of those businesses will come in oversimplifying what is a very complex service and a, and a complex operation. And I think that everyone needs to remember that, you know, you're flying an airplane near the speed of sound at uh, 45,000 feet above the ground. And that, while scaled on a commercial basis has been successful. The business aviation community and corporate aviation communities 
are much more bespoke and the energy it takes to run a flight department or run a, a management operation or a fleet operation is far more than what a lot of entrepreneurials understand. And so uh, chalk it up to a learning experience for a lot of different groups. And you can list at least a dozen in the last decade that have come and gone. And certainly some have been more successful than others. But I think in the end, the amount of complexity needs to not be oversimplified. And, you know, buyer does need to be aware. If I could just follow up on that as well. And we're talking about some of this in the abstract and making sure that operators and owners get this stuff right. And, and a question may be, well, you know, so what, what's the big deal? Is it really, is it really that important? And just, I think it's important to mention some of the risks, which can be, um, which can be very significant. I mean, if you get it wrong, you could be looking at FAA risk, uh, whether that's civil penalties or certificate actions. Uh, you could be looking at IRS risk if there's issues with FETs or tax issues. And, uh, and also importantly, there could be insurance coverage issues. Uh, God forbid there's ever an accident and, and uh, the parties, even if they're well-intentioned, operated the aircraft in a way that was illegal, an insurance company can decline coverage. And if there's an aviation accident, that's you know everyone's worst case scenario and the worst nightmare. So it is certainly very important to make sure that these issues get the, the appropriate consideration. It behooves the millennials and the consuming public to uh, really do their homework before they get on board of a jet. David G. Mayer, a partner at the aviation law firm of Shackelford, Bowen, McKinley & Norton, LLP, We've also heard today from Paul M. Grocky, an attorney with the law offices of Paul A. Lang, LLC, and Joel Barber, CAM and Vice President of Fleet Development for Clay Lacey Aviation. Of course, it's important for anyone considering aircraft ownership to keep such considerations in mind, no matter what your age or generation, and it remains to be seen whether millennials will ultimately prefer to utilize business aircraft as a service free of ownership risks or explore aircraft ownership or leasing to meet their objectives. One thing is clear, the business aviation industry stands ready to adapt as necessary to help them attain their goals. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts on Apple's iTunes website, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. For Pete Combs, I'm Dave Elliott, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan.